0: Through chapter five, last uh, well, not just half of it, but we did chapter four and chapter five. And uh, chapter five begins with the first ten verses. It talks about, uh, for those of you who were not here, those who were here, talks about our current body being a tent. How many know that tents are for temporary uh, staying? Right? How many want to go live in a tent? I didn't think anybody wanted anybody. Can, well, Dustin, you're the only one, buddy. All right, I will stay in a tent for a period of time, but there's a point where, where we have to graduate to a home. Come on, right, to a house. How many love four walls, air conditioning, a soft bed, running water, bathrooms? Come on. Brandon Banks not raising his hand. He, he's a country boy. He can live out on the land. But, um, but last week we talked about our, uh, Paul was saying that our our bodies, our current bodies are like tents, and, uh, you know, they're temporary, and God has given us buildings, and these buildings are our new bodies that we're going to dwell in uh, in when we get to the next life. And so, um, you know, some of you say, my tent is a little tattered. Come on, how many can attest to that? My tent is a little torn. Come on. My tent is, is a little worn on the outside in the dwellings. And my tent requires a little more makeup than it used to. Come on. It's a little wrinkle, you know, right? And Come on, come on, Pastor, you're, you're speaking to me, right? But here's the thing. We're going to have new bodies, glorious bodies that we have yet to even understand in this lifetime. There's going to be so many great things about that, and God is creating uh, those those bodies for us. So then, then Paul, he moves into here in chapter 6, and he moves into uh, reconciliation, and the key here is to be reconciled. To God and to be reconciled to others, all right? To be reconciled to God. Everyone say reconciled to God and reconciled to others. That is the message of Jesus Christ, to be reconciled to God and to be reconciled to To love God with all our heart and love our neighbors as our, whoo, come on, right? And so the uh, reconciled means this: to be restored. Everyone say restored. And that means to be made right, to make whole. And God has called everyone in here. You know, God's called you to the ministry, and this is what I this I'll tell you this because Paul's going to just spell this out for us. You have been called to the ministry of reconciliation. Did you know that? And, and, and with others, and with the Lord. So the gospel will always. Uh, uh be the message of reconciliation to God and others and and that's that is the gospel in a nutshell it really is that's a simple way to say that I mean if we were teaching to to i think even a, a four or five year old could understand, hey we are to love God and we are to love our neighbors so sometimes as adults, I wonder why in the world we don't get that quiet. Oh, it's easy to love the Lord sometimes, right? Sometimes we get a little aggravated, but it's easy to love the Lord. But sometimes loving others, boy, that gets a little bit more difficult. You know why? Because we're, the Bible talks about it in, in Peter that we're living stones and we're placed next to each other. And stones are rough. And sometimes you rub me the wrong way and I rub you the wrong way, right? Come on. Come on, Pastor, right? The reconciliation of others. And so God has called us to that. So I'll get into that. I, I, all right, here we go. It says this in, in chapter 6. Uh, Or, or, I mean, sorry, chapter 5, verse 11 says this. And if you need a subheading here, it's the ministry of reconciliation. Here it is. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. So the first thing here is this, that Paul, uh, what motivated Paul in ministry was this right here, this simple thought, the fear of the Lord. Right? Right? How many have ever heard that term in church, the fear of the Lord, right? Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Come on, say it loud. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Right? And so this is not fear that, that God would hurt him, but rather that, that he would hurt God through his, his own sin and his own stupidity. What if in our lives, man, we didn't sin because we didn't want to hurt God's feelings, Right. What What if we cared so much about what the Lord is doing that that man, we thought, Lord, I don't want to hurt you. So I'm not going to do this. And, and and so what a lens to look at life. And and this would keep us from doing a lot of things. Come on, in our lives. If we went through and go, Lord, this is not pleasing to you, so I'm not going to have any part of it. Amen. It's quiet in here, but I, I, I mean, come on, I know you're getting it so paul was uh, uh, was caught up in the third heaven and seeing things that that he will one day stand before the line of the tribe of Judah and see him in his majesty 's love so Paul is saying hey there 's something greater coming, so i, I need i don 't want to hurt the Lord. I want to do everything I can in my ministry to put the lord 's name out there in a good way, and all that I do, and so he wants to help us on earth to say. Uh, on that day, you know what? I don't want to waste too much time in my life on my hobby. Come on, somebody, right? Amen? It's all right to have hobbies, but come on. When our hobby overtakes time that we could be spending with the Lord that we're going to be with for eternity, come on. There, there's there's a danger there, all right? Uh, uh, or spend too much money on a trinket that we want to buy. Or waste energy on foolish things, Right? I was looking at, well, I wasn't looking at, but I heard that the cost of the Super Bowl to buy a ticket to the Super Bowl was like, eight. the cheapest one was like $8,000. That's insane, isn't it? For what? For three and a half hours for guys to run around in tights and tackle each other. I mean, when you put it in that perspective, it really makes you think it's really, that's what you're paying for. And so uh, uh, these things here on earth are temporal, but God is eternal, amen? And so, um, and so uh, you know, he says this, why, why didn't I take this so lightly that, and, uh, that Christ did this on the cross? So look at this, verse 12 says this, we are not commending, uh, commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. All right, what do we know about God? He looks at the what? Remember, he chose David, not any of David's brothers, because he told he told the prophet Samuel, he said, look at the heart, right? Look at the heart. And so verse 13 says this, for if we are besides ourselves, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, everyone say right mind, it is for you. So Paul is saying this, the reason I'm telling you this is this, what motivates me to do ministry is not to boast about what everything that I'm doing, it's, uh, but that you might be able to, uh, to give a defense to those who are criticizing us for listening to us. So there was people in Corinth who were criticizing people who were listening to Paul and saying you shouldn't listen to him, and, and so he is, he is giving that defense. Verse 14 says this, for the love of Christ controls us. Put a pen right there. Does the love of Christ control you? Can you say that? When you're mad, when someone pulls out in front of you, does the love of Christ control you? Come on. All right, I'll leave that one alone. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Verse 15. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised there's a mouthful there so Paul's second motivation uh, was this was the love of Christ not his love for Christ but Christ's love for him there's a difference there how many love the Lord how many know that Christ loves you you know what motivates me the fact that Christ loves me I mean you heard me talk about it on Sunday Um, you know I was looking at this since the pandemic uh, we've seen a lot of pastors who call called it quits and because of the demand of the job and circumstances and and we you know we hear this stat I hear this stat you may not hear this stat as a pastor I see this all the time that some fifteen hundred uh pastors in the world leave ministry every month and I don't know if that's necessarily i'm not a hundred percent sure if that's true you know sometimes stats are moved this way and that way but here's the good news okay some adjustments to that stat that I saw it's more like two hundred and fifty. Amen. That's good, right? So pastors, and I'll say this, uh pastors are rough and they're a tough uh a breed, but they are not perfect, but but oftentimes they're very tough. Say, so are you patting yourself on the back? No, I'm not patting myself on I know a lot of good pastors, and let me tell you I've watched pastors go through circumstances and trials and had hide like alligators and hearts like dove. Come on, right? And so, um, but but I can say, personally, one of the things that keeps me going is this simple truth right here. And I said it Sunday. Jesus loves me. It's so simple. I, it's so simple. You know what? Pastor, what is your motivation? The fact that Christ loves me. Why do you put up with this? Because Christ loves me. Why do you do Because Christ loves me. So here we see Paul. Uh, that it was the love of Christ that kept him from from burning out and giving up, and and I take strength and I lean into this, man, when I get down, I just have to remind myself, you know what Jesus is in my corner, he loves me. I know things circumstances look bad, but guess what Christ is with me, he loves me i 'm a child of God, uh, you know and, and I have to remind myself this before i 'm a minister of the gospel, guess what i 'm a child of God first, Amen. And so, and that encourages me tremendously because tomorrow, hey, if everything, and I was not here and I was not pastor, and guess what? I would still be a child of God. Amen? Verse 16. So uh, it says this, from now on, therefore, we regard one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. So um, Paul would know this. As a member of the Sanhedrin, it is very likely that he heard uh Christ speak in Jerusalem at some point and, 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 or heard of him that from somebody that was in the Sanhedrin. So he had definitely heard about Jesus. And here's the thing, and, and he was determined to end all of the Christ followers. That was Paul's, uh, Saul's mission. Let's call him Saul before he was changed to Paul. And that was his mission. And, and how many know in Acts chapter 9 when when suddenly he saw the bright light on the Damascus road, things changed for him overnight. Just just like that. How many know an encounter with the Lord can change your perspective? Right? I, I love that. So from that point on, he didn't know Jesus after the flesh. He saw him in a different light. And so as a result, Paul began to see men differently than he had before. He didn't see them in their physical shape or earthly bodies, but as Christ saw them as children of God, let me ask you this. For the coworker that gets on your nerves, do you look at them the way that Christ looks at them and says, that is my child? Or do you get aggravated at them? Do you get frustrated with them? Or do you just put them on the back burner or somebody you don't like, your neighbor who keeps, you know, their dog keeps getting in your trash, right? And and you're upset at them, right? But you know that Christ loves them just as much as he loves you. That's that's humbling, isn't it, sometimes? The person that you don't like in this world the most, Christ loves just as much as he loves you. You know Christ died on the cross for Vladimir Putin? He did. I know that's a stark reality to a lot of us. Man, and every day I pray, God, help me have the right lens to look through. Help me to see people like you see people because it changes our perspective, right? So verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, come on. He is a what? The old has what? Behold the what? Boy, that's a great verse. We love to quote that verse. We love to say that verse. Let's live it out. Amen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a New creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All things become new. Amen. As a believer, our life should change. When I got up from the altar, when I gave my heart to Christ, I put away things. I talked differently. I walked differently. I didn't want To hurt the Lord's heart. So I did everything in my ability to do what what he asked of me. I was transformed into the likeness of Christ. Instead of living for myself as a believer, I turned my life over to Christ and began to live for him. Old things are passed away and behold what all things are. You don't know this about my family. Um, but my my grandpa and my grandma and my my dad's he has several brothers some of you didn't know that um, he has a, a, you know th- and they were raised playing country music and that's how they made their living and 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 uh, they were in the bars most nights um, most of my uncles and uh, are very talented musicians and um and 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 they they played in bars from young age and and my dad can tell me stories of of my grandpa who was so drunk at times that that he he would crawl from the car to the to the house and he couldn't couldn't walk and and he my dad saw so many things growing up in bars but something happened they they decided one day in 1970 to go to a easter service to a church And that morning, God began to deal with them, and every one of them went down and gave their heart to the Lord, and they were transformed, and they were changed in the name of Jesus. Now, let me just put it to you like this. They were transformed in such a way that the living that they used to make, playing country music, it was no longer an option for them. And so they abandoned that thing and said, Lord, I will follow you. I don't know how I'm going to make it. And God began to work on all of them. And and I can say this. All of my uncles gave their heart to Christ. And they all have served as pastors and ministers throughout uh, the nation. And God has used them mightily. My grandpa gave his heart to the Lord. And he began to pastor. And God transformed you. And that is the power of Christ working within us. All things are made new. Didn't run back to the old life. Would have been comfortable, it would have been easy, but God changed them that day, amen? Verse 18, so all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of what? I give you forgiveness now, right? That is, in Christ... God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting them to use or to to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, you're an ambassador of Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be what? Reconciled to God. So his third motivation here is in Paul's ministry was this, the joy of service. Amen. The joy of service. You know what? Every one of us have an opportunity to be an ambassador for Christ. You know you represent Christ on your workplace. You know you represent Christ when you're going through Walmart. When you're walking through Rural King, you represent Christ. Come on, right? Everywhere you go, man, you have Christ in your heart. You are an ambassador for Christ. Let me ask you, how good of an ambassador are you? Makes you stop and think, right, Lord? How many could say, man, I could be a little bit better as an ambassador, right? I, I could just probably be a, be a little bit better. And, and, and so, but here's the thing we get to share the word of reconciliation and we get to give out the good news to people, amen? That ought to make you happy. Why? Because someone told you about the gospel one day, you got, gave your heart to Christ, why wouldn't you want to tell someone else about the good news that God has done within you? So a, as ambassadors, we get to tell people everywhere we go, your waiter or waitress, come on, right? You can tell them, hey, hey, can I, is there anything I can pray with you about today? Said, so, boy, you, that is crazy, pastor, why would you do that? Well, maybe if you pray for them, man, maybe you'll get your food a little bit faster, Right. Right I, I you know, I'm just throwing that out there, or what about the garbage man when you're running out with your your trash can out and the garbage man's coming and you forgot to take it out and, and you're going out there you could you can show them that Christ loves them, right, your coworker that that their sins are truly forgiven, and here's this thing: God wants to give you this free gift of salvation. How many like free things? Amen, Ephesians two eight. I love that verse, right? It's by grace that we're saved, right? It's a free gift that God gives us. You know what I say? Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I need it. Right? Verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the what? As Jesus hung on the cross. He who knew no sin, he became your sin and my sin, and our sin, and the world's sin. Jesus never did anything wrong, yet he died in your place. You deserve the cross. I deserve the cross. And you know what he would say about you? You're free. Righteousness. My, you know what? And and he's it, the Bible says this, that he sits on the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding for you and me, and, and God's like, the father looks at him and he says, look, I paid the price. God's like, yeah, that's right. And so so simply to say this, this is what the Lord, what Jesus says, that we are justified. You've heard me talk about this word, just, justified. Justified means this, just as if I never sinned. He wiped it away. He made it clean. He made it new. That ought to make you jump up and shout because you didn't get what you deserved. Amen. Amen. Oh, man, that that gets me fired up. That would make an Egyptian mummy shout right there. Right? Just as if we had never sinned. So this is what I'll say. May the fear of the Lord motivate us, right? May the love of Christ constrain us. May the love of uh, uh, Christ constrain us. May the joy of serving the Lord thrill us. I get to serve you, Lord. I get to be an ambassador for you, Lord. I get to represent you. May we be like Paul, no matter what problems we face or challenges that come our way, it, it, that we look at this thing as an unbelievable privilege to be a child of the Most High King, to be an ambassador of, 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 the, of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? All right, jump over to chapter 6. He says this, working together with him, it's coming on here we go working together with him so as we saw in chapter 5 we are ambassadors of Christ right sharing the good news of the gospel with everyone we meet and if you say well i'm not that ambassador here's your chance i'm i'm giving you a little pep talk i'm giving you a little pep rally tomorrow tell someone about the love of Jesus Christ our mission our missions team uh you know i've been getting updates from them can i tell you uh, and this, uh, you know, when I prepared this, I was looking at the the stats of, of this. Uh, our mission team that's been gone, um, I, the last count that I got, uh, there was 25 souls that have been saved so far. And then I just got a message right before a church started that 15 more gave their heart to Christ today. That's 40 people. Amen. Come on. Here's the thing. That that's That is great. You say, oh, well, that's them. They're going over to mission. You have a mission right here in in your county, in your workplace. You represent Jesus Christ. You know, salvation is not for just the people in Guatemala, but it's for the people, your neighbor, the person that lives down the road from you, your mailman, mailwoman, your waiter, your waitress. Here's the thing, you know, uh, you know, we're not just God's workers, we're not just working for the Lord. But can I tell you something? That But we God is working with us. He's helping us. You know, it's just not me just working for him. No, no, he's coming alongside. He's, he's helping us. He does not, you know what I find comfort in this? God does not send us out alone and just say, well, well wishes, good job, Let, you know, go for it. No, he goes right along with us. Moment by moment, he's with us, sharing with us, talking with us, showing us how to love people. How many need help every day? Lord, help me to love this person like you want me to love them because I want to love them with my hands right now. Come on, right? Come on. Some of you just need to be honest with me, right? I don't know about this. I This is freeing to me in ministry. You know what? When I think about the Lord going before me and the Lord going with me and being beside me and behind me, you know what I get? I don't get confidence. I get god I'm like, God is with me. I can do this. Say, Pastor, do you get do you get a little bit scared when when the Lord tells you to to say something? To I used to get scared when I you know, the Lord would be like, "Hey, I need to tell this person that I love them," and I I would fight that for a, a while. But you know you know almost every time I've ever stepped out, it's been the Lord just drawing me to somebody because they needed to hear something from from me. And how many know that we carry that gift in us, right? With earthen vessels, the gospel dwells within us. He chose us. We talked about this. In an earlier chapter, the the gospel dwells in us in earthen vessels that we might be able to do that. And God gets the glory out of that because guess what? When people look at us, man, our righteousness is filthy rags and people know us from our past. And they're like, man, you were this way, but now you're following Jesus. And look what God has done in you. And it makes the Lord shine brighter and brighter and brighter. Amen. There are a, a number of things we could offer that people, uh, you know, oftentimes are hesitant to h- hesitant to get. You know, I think about this. Um, I was talking to the Spears before church and talking about missions trip. And um, one of the things about missions trips, when you go somewhere, um, they tell you to eat the food that is provided for you because most of the time those people have given up meals just so you can eat, so they can feed you. And sometimes you look at the plate of food in front of you and you go, hmm. Right? How many know we're spoiled in America? And oftentimes these people won't eat at all until the visitors have ate. And so they kind of just hover over you. And that's that's intimidating anyways because you're just like, Lord, don't let my face say what, what I want it to say right now. You know, is that good? Mm-hmm. You just chew it up and swallow it as good as you can, right? Sometimes we're hesitant, but but there are a number of things that we we could offer people that that we could be hesitant about. But but when we share the gospel, we shouldn't be hesitant because let me tell you something. There's something beautiful about when we share the gospel with people. Um, um, when when uh, I could say this just from my personal um, you know uh, testimonies and, and times. Every time I, the Lord has has spoken to me to to share the gospel with people, sometimes they reject. The gospel, you know, you're going to run across that and they're not rejecting you. Come on. Sometimes we take it personal. Someone's like, well, you're a weirdo. Don't talk to me, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, oh, I can't believe they would say that. No, they're rejecting the gospel that you presented to them. All right. But here's what I could do. You know, and, and most moments I can look at a person that has a heavy heart and say simple things. Let me pray with you. Can I pray with you about that right now? And, and I mean, almost every time people will go, yeah. Even the unbelievers, yeah, I'm struggling or I need help here. And and, and so, man, I'm not afraid to grab someone's hands in the middle of, of where, wherever they're at and just begin to pray, God, give them peace, God. Show them that you're walking with them. God, will you just uh, help them in their circumstance? Lord, will you just let them know that you are with them? How many know that it's it's our job to tell people about the message of Jesus Christ? How many know we forget that? Why do we forget that? Because we're me-focused. Lord, fill me up. Fill me up, Lord. Fill you up for what? So you could go give out. So you could pour into them what God has done for you. That's, some of you say, man, I haven't been filled up from the Lord for a while. Give out, and God will pour more in. Amen? So I, uh, I have yet to see anyone who earnestly seeks the Lord not find him. James four eight says this: When we draw near to God, He will what draw near to us. My favorite Bible verse. You can find this in my office. I love that. That's been my life verse. Every time I felt like I I am lost, I remember that. Like I know I can run back to God, and I know every time that I sincerely and earnestly go back to Him, and, and He will come and He will find me and He will meet me right where I'm at. And and that's not just a uh, a word but that is that is a promise from the Lord. Amen. Look at this the next part of this says then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain for he says in favorable time. I listened to you and in a day of salvation. I have helped you before now is the favorable time behold now is the day of salvation and so as we work uh, with him Paul is saying this I remind you that. The urgency of receiving the Lord is right now. He's telling them it's right now. It's not to put off. Can I just say this? Listen, this is the time to be saved. Can I just, our urgency, man, we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to give us greater urgency for people. This is the time you know to be like John the the Baptist and just cry out in the wilderness to tell everyone we can this is the time to be saved not just born again eternally but to be saved from that which is holding us back presently so I'll just mention that to all the all the believers in the house what is keeping you back what is holding you back because in Genesis chapter 6 verse 3 it says this my spirit will not always strive and wrestle with men so I'll say this, if you keep sitting and turning your back on the Lord, there's a time where he'll no longer whisper in your ear. And he'll no longer draw on your heart in conviction. If you continually say to him, no, Lord, no, no, and you turn your back, there will come a point when, when he will let your decision stand and say, okay. You, you'll become hard-hearted. You'll become calloused in your spirit. So Paul is encouraging the Corinthians and he and and us. I I believe to us today. Hey, remain soft, remain pliable. You know, one of the things that that keeps you pliable is is this: that I need a savior, that I need humility, that I that I need to be broken. Amen. Verse three: We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with your, with our ministry. And he's saying this because of the urgency of the time. This is the time to be saved, our calling. He's saying this to all people in ministry, to all the ambassadors of Christ. This is not the time to be a stumbling block for somebody else. Right? Ephesians 5.15. See that uh, that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as Wise, what does that mean to walk circumspectly? To means to watch where your feet are being placed. To mean that is evil, that's not what God wants me, so I'm going to go where God wants me. I'm going to do what God asked me to do. First Timothy 4.12 says this, I love this verse, let no one despise you for your youth. Hey, I don't care if it says youth, I don't care if you're 80. Listen, honestly, if you're 80 years old in this house, guess what? You're young in terms of eternity, so, so let no one despise you for your youth. But set to the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and purity. If we're going to be ambassadors of Christ, guess what? Those are five markers for us that we should be setting an example for everybody to follow. Dads, be an example of speech. Moms, be an example of purity. You know what? We don't need to watch this in our house set a tone for your kids. Hey, not all things are good. Let's let's not. We're not going to just invite that thing in in here, all right? I'm challenging you. So, time and time again, we are called to minister in a way that is worthy of our calling, and this is what we need to understand. We are representing the Lord. Let me ask you this. Another t- another question rhetorical. How are you representing the Lord? See I I see pastors Sometimes, And I'm not here to pick on anybody at all because that's not my my thing. But I see pastors do things sometimes and it breaks my heart because I look at that and I go, that is not a good representation of who Christ is. And it breaks my heart and God God has called me out of darkness. So I need to to run to him and not be like the world and not compromise like the world. Amen. And the mixture of the world in, in, into Christianity is No good ever, all right? I'll just say that. Jesus called us out of darkness, right? And Peter, it says he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That means separate. We're different. We're transformed. We're no longer the same. We are new creations, right? I'm determined to represent him not by my own ability but by the spirit of God within me who will always lead me in the right way. Say, I don't know what to do. Ask the Holy Spirit every day, Lord, guide my steps, guide my thoughts. Guide my mouth. Come on, are you about to go into a meeting at work? Go, Lord, Holy Spirit, guide my mouth and my motives. And if you'll surrender to him, he will. Amen? Verse 4, but as servants of God, I love this. It says, well done, thy good and faithful leader, right? No? No, it doesn't say that, Right? Servant, it says, well done, thy good and faithful what? Servants of God. That means God is in control and you are not. That's really the simplicity of it. Jesus came not to be served but to serve. And he gave his life for a ransom for many. If Jesus came to serve, what makes you think that you shouldn't be serving? Think about that for a minute. I mean, I, I didn't, you can be mad at me all you want. I mean, I didn't write it. Jesus did it, so you, you can be mad at Jesus. If Jesus served his Father's will, what makes me think that I'm, I'm above that? I don't want to be a servant. I don't know. I pray this every day. Lord, help me in this area. I, uh, am I perfect? Absolutely not. You are not either. I do make mistakes. So do you. But here's the thing. My aim and my goal is this. Lord, how can I best serve you today? Lord, how, how can I make your name famous? What can I do today to represent you in a way that, that, that I need to? Amen. So look where, I want you to look at this. Look where Paul uh, attended his school of ministry. Let's read on here. We commend ourselves in every way by great endurance. Everyone say endurance. In affliction. Come on, say in affliction. Say hardships. Say calamities. Beatings. Imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. Paul attended the school wherein he was imprisoned, beaten, and starved. Whew. His school would teach him to require a whole lot of patience. Amen. Oh, Pastor, you had me till you started talking about patience, right? Um, but I see many people. Uh, oftentimes they want to launch a ministry. They want to, to do something, and they have the right intentions. They have good hearts when they start, but oftentimes uh, they are not ready, and I oftentimes have seen them fail. I've, I've just seen it time and time again. But I want to look at this to show you an example of this. Moses, Moses in the palace of, of Pharaoh was was moved, and he was watching the his people that he saw in, in uh, slavery to those in Egypt. And seeing an Egyptian sh- soldier beating on an Israelite, he got mad, right, and he killed that Egyptian soldier, and he buried him in the sand is what the, what the Scripture tells us. And then what happens? He goes and he runs for his life, and he, he goes on the backside of the desert, and he hides for 40 years. It's amazing, right? Forty years. He's, he's over there watching his father-in-law raise his sheep. He's watching. He's learning these things. He went from the palace to the middle of the desert. Come on. And God began to prepare him for his calling for that 40 years. And so later, you know, when he was called up, guess what? He was able to lead the children of Israel, and they were in the wilderness. He could go, man, I know what it's like out here. I know this plant. I know that this thing does this. I can, I can show you. And God prepared him. How many know that God, uh, sometimes we don't like the process that God wants to put us through. Sometimes we think we're ready for something when God's like, no, you better go through the process because you'll be chewed up and spit out if you don't go through the process. Anybody ever got a job that you weren't qualified for? it's a little overwhelming, isn't it? And, and and so you go in and they're like, "Hey, do you know how to do this?" and you're just like, you know, YouTube, Google, right? But but this is but that there's a process. Come on. We're all in this process as believers. How many of you know, stop uh, just just look at your neighbor and say, "Stop fighting the process in your life." Come on, say it. Say, "Stop fighting the process in your life." Let God do what he wants to do in your life. Amen? I I, I like this because we see Paul would, would have been ready to minister right off the get-go, if you think about it, in, in, in Acts. He would have been ready. He's, he's educated. He's smart. He had his moment with the Lord. But what did the Lord do? Made him go out to Arabia, and there he, he was taught. And then you would have thought, He's going to Jerusalem where he's going to go teach with the early church. And those, those guys there, no, 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 no. The Lord sends him to the most obscure places. Hey, you're going to go up here to Ephesus. You're going to go to Philippi. You're going to go to Corinth. Well, all these things are happening there with Peter, James, and John. And in the in Jerusalem. And so Peter is, or Paul is out ministering out in obscure places. How many know that God has a process and God cares about people? Amen. Verse 6 says this. By purity, everyone say purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, by the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Verse 8, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. What course did Paul take in the school of patience and persecution? You ready for this? It wasn't homiletics. How many know what homiletics is? All right, a few of you do. That's how you build sermons. That's literally a class that you have to take when you want to become an ordained minister. Not, I'm not talking about the one you can get online and get your, your, your ordained. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you want to become an ordained minister, they teach you how to build a sermon. There's a way, there's a process to do this. They didn't, no, he didn't learn homiletics. He didn't, he didn't learn hermeneutics. How I many you know what hermeneutics is? That's a study of words, interpreting Bible with Bible. And we see that Paul was able to do that. He took the Old Testament many times and brought it into the New Testament into his writings. But but he didn't go through a class on it. He didn't go through Greek or Hebrew or word studies. He didn't go through church growth programs. Come on, somebody, right? No, he enrolled in pureness, intimacy, kindness, long-suffering, and love. Amen? Those would be great, great courses for, for seminary. Amen. <laughs> Nobody'd sign up for those courses, right? All right, let's go to the uh, next one. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors, and yet are true. Verse nine: as unknown and yet well known; as dying and behold, we live; as punished and yet, uh, yet not killed. Verse ten: as sorrowful yet always rejoicing; as poor yet making many rich; as having nothing yet possessing everything. So. The tears of Paul shed were not for himself, feeling sorry for himself. But 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 his his tears were shed. And you can look at this, Acts chapter twenty, verse eighteen and nineteen, he's praying for other people, and his heart is broken because he's praying and he's interceding on behalf of other people, the broken state of people. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you were moved with compassion and you were praying for somebody so much that, that you you begin to cry? You were broken and moved to tears because somebody needed, uh, you know, uh, 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 to be transformed by the love of Christ. If you had, if you had two columns on a piece of paper and one labeled tears you cried for yourselves, and one that you labeled tears that you've cried for other people, which one would be a larger thing? Would there be any comparison? Say, Pastor, why, why, man, you're, you're coming off kind of harsh tonight. This is the point: ministry is not about you. And if you can understand that, if you can get it through our head. Hey, I'm glad that God comes down and his love is for us. But listen, ministry is is God did something in me so I can pour out into other people, so I can share with other people. Amen. It's not about you, it's about serving others, it's about loving others, it's about praying for others, it's about walking along alongside others, it's about encouraging others. Hey, are you down today? Let me give you a pick-me-up. Listen, two times this week, two times this week, I, I had multiple people uh, reach out to me just out of the blue and, and, and just give me just the right words at the right time to just give me an encouragement. And I was like, yeah, I needed that little boost. Thank you. So I always say this. If the Holy Spirit puts someone on your heart, call them. Text them. Let them know, hey, I'm praying for you right now. Amen? So we see... Uh, the big players here, uh, often in the Bible, like Paul and Peter and John, and in the Old Testament, maybe David and Elijah and Abraham. But but and we often look at their victories, but not what it took for them to get their victories. We don't always look at the process to get where they were at. The pain, the struggle, the fear, the 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 faith, the, the death of, of for some of them. We say, hey, Lord, we want to be used like them, but we don't want to go through the process that they had to go through to be used. But in particular, those in the New Testament, Paul, Peter, James, and John, they gave it all for the sake of the kingdom of God. You know why? Because they love God and they love people. They're willing to die so people can know about the message of Jesus Christ. Amen? Verse 11. So we have spoken freely of you uh, to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In other words, Paul is saying our hearts are open to you. And, and he's saying any tension you feel right now is not a result of anything that, that we have we feel towards you. But it's a result of your own emotions, all right? Verse 13, in return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Get a little bit bigger. In spite of everything you've been through, Paul's telling them, you know, and Paul had been through the school of patience and the school of persecution He's saying this, please accept our ministry to you with an open and a large heart. And I'm learning this in ministry. To always keep my heart open towards ministers and towards pastors and towards evangelists and towards people. Because just maybe there's something that they have that can teach us and that can guide us and that can correct us. Amen. Here's the next portion, verse 14. If you need a subheading here, the temple of the living God. Verse 14. Do not be... Unequally yoked with unbelievers, all right, Everyone say, "Do not. Do not means do not. don't do it. People say, "Ah, I want to be open-minded. You know, I feel like I know this person I want to marry is not a believer. I'm the exception to the rule, right? It's gonna be alright. It's gonna change because you know what? The uh, I am going to change them, alright? <laughs> wait a minute, Paul's saying, hey, wait, wait, wait a second. Don't. And don't misunderstand the word don't. Right? Don't understand or don't misunderstand uh but but You know, our our brothers and sisters, you know, don't make a mistake of being unequally yoked in partnership or relationship with an unbeliever. Why? Because this is why. Because the passions, uh, uh, passion of an unbeliever and a believer are not the same. Right? One's of the world. One is not. One thinks on eternal things. One thinks on temporal things. You don't mix oil and water. Right? And, and, and we see this. I, I've seen it in relationships as a pastor. And when I was a youth pastor, I, man, I used to tell these girls, they would bring in their little guy friends from school, and they'd be like, oh, you know, TJ, he's so cute, and I like him, and I'm hoping that he'll get saved. And I'm like, you need to just leave him alone and find somebody that, that has no, has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I've seen it time and time and time and time again where, where people who are, are well-meaning, I know that they'll get saved if I just do this. And listen, I've watched people just drag people away from their walk with the Lord. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, this is Jesus. He says this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. How many want rest for your souls? better latch up with Jesus, all right, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, so the Greek word translated easy here, means this, good fit, everyone say good fit, how many like a shirt that just is a good fit on you, right, somebody say, I have some of those, they're in my closet, I haven't worn them in a while, right, because they don't fit like they, okay, all right, but because, and a yoke is not fitted, uh, uh, Not fitted well could cause chafing or hurt an animal. So you got a yoke that doesn't feel right. You ever wore shoes that were too big, and and, and man, you had bad blisters because the shoes were too big. They weren't not a good fit. It's the same thing for us spiritually, man. When we try to put something on that's not a good fit, and we are a believer, and this person's not a believer, and we connect with them, that thing begins to chafe, it begins to work, and it begins to cripple us. But but Jesus, being a carpenter by trade you know he would have known about uh, the perfect yoke and he would have understood spiritually that that if it's made correctly and is right it would not chafe and it would not hurt but it would bring comfort and it would be easy can i just say this pairing up with the lord he does the heavy lifting you don't have to right so so let's look at this let's go on for what uh, for what partnership has righteousness with lawless? lawlessness lawlessness Or what fellowship has light with darkness? He has called us out of darkness into what? Come on. Verse 15, for what accord has Christ uh, with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? So uh, here's reason number one, we are not to be unequally yoked, is this. Due to the nature of the unbeliever. I've heard heard it, you know. I'm going to change them. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to date this person. They're going to be a new person, right? Um, and here's the thing: Deuteronomy 22, 9 and 11 says this: You shall not sow uh, your vineyard with two kinds of seed. All right, lest the whole yield be what forfeited the crop that you have sown and yield of the vineyard. Verse 10 says this in Deuteronomy 22:10 says: You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey either. You know why? Because they're going to try. They're going to fight each other, right? Verse eleven: You shall not wear cloth of wool and linen mixed together. So Paul goes back to the Old Testament. He pulls some scriptures out here, and he's saying, "You can't mix two things that don't work. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. It's it's it won't work because the nature of a believer and the nature of an unbeliever they're two different things. Should be right. One is light. One is dark. He's called us out. I'm, one's a new creation. One is not." You say, well, are you saying that I shouldn't hang out with unbelievers? No, I'm, you can get along with people that are unbelievers, right? But I can tell you this. If you latch on with them down the road, you'll experience pain and unnecessary uh, uh, heartache, amen? For the years, I, I've counseled a lot of people who, who could have avoided heartache and pain if they had just followed this principle. I, one comes to mind. When I was a youth pastor, I had a young man who was serving in our ministry and he said I really have a burden for people in the bars and I feel like I could go and minister to them and I said don't he said no I I really feel like that I could I can go and I can I can I can be the change in them and I said don't I warned him and I said please don't 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 come on sometimes you can, sometimes it's good to listen to somebody Who's got maybe just a, a little bit more authority than you, and just just say, Well, maybe now's not the time. And I watched him. He didn't listen to me. He went into the to the bars, and and guess what? Within a short amount of time he found himself, come on, not right with the Lord, running from the Lord, and years. It took years later for God to bring him back. This is why Paul's saying this, verse 16. So what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be either God, I will be be their God, and they shall be my people. So the second argument for not being unequally yoked here is because of the effect it has on others. I'll give you a good example real fast here. We have these beautiful beams in here, right? Everyone look up at the beautiful uh, beams, and man, it aren't isn't it beautiful? I can tell you if you get up there and change a light, you'll you'll see a lot more dust than you realize on them things. All right, but I'm not not calling out anybody because that's a long ways to get up there. But uh, but 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 these beams are great. But all it takes, you know what? Be I, and Lord, don't ever let this happen. But but I'm just using this as an example. All it would take is for one of those beams to to give way. And we could have a catastrophe and everybody in here would be hurt, right? Right? It just, one just collapsed and then this whole thing collapsed and, you know, it wouldn't be a, a good thing. It's like, how many know the other day, Novak, we had some some of those cutie oranges. You know what I'm talking about, those little oranges. and And one of them had mold and he was trying to separate the ones that had mold. One bad orange can make the rest of the oranges bad. One bad apple can make the rest of the apples bad, right? That's the point that I'm trying to make. So, so too, we are the temple of God because we're linked together as living stones. I talked about this because we're fit together as a holy habitation. But if we're linked with unbelievers, guess what? It's going to affect the body of Christ. I'll give you an example. <laughs> you know I'm going to <laughs> Jericho, right? God gives the children of Israel this big victory in Jericho. One thing that God said after the the, the great victory in Jericho was, don't take anything from Jericho. Leave the plunder. Don't take nothing. Just let it, leave it lay. And how many know the story of Achan, that, 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 that guy, he found some things, and he took those things, and he hid them. And then they went to fight this next battle, which was the town of Ai. Didn't even have a big enough name to have a two-syllable name, okay? And, and, and they went to fight this, this battle, and God let little Ai whoop the Israelites because they had disobeyed God, right? Not all of them, one of them. Right? Linked together. All right? Here's the point. That's the point. So, uh, so when we choose to ignore and disobey the way of the Lord or we rebel against him, guess what? It affects our sons and daughters. Come on, somebody. Right? It affects our people that we, our church corporately and the believing community. Look at this. Verse 17. Therefore, get out from the midst and be separate from them. Woo! Sounds like a new creation, right? Says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. So the third reason we are not to be unequally yoked is due to the command of Scripture. Isaiah fifty-two eleven says this. I'm going to try to do this as fast as I can here. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. That verse right there tells us to be different. Does this mean that you can't have a conversation with the sinner? Uh, of course not. You know, how many know that Jesus in Luke seven thirty four it says Jesus was, was known as the friend of sinners? That's right. But the thing is, all right, listen to me. Listen to me closely. But the thing is to remember here that Jesus, where he went, he permanently and radically impacted sinners, and they changed from their ways. So Jesus loved everyone, but he loved them enough to tell them the truth, to get down in the nitty-gritty of them, to get them to turn from their sins and weaknesses. He didn't affirm their sins. He called out their sins. He loved them, but he called out their sins, right? I know that ain't popular. Nobody wants to hear that, right? We want to affirm everything and be on everyone's good side. God is a God of love, but God is a God of truth. God is a God of being right. Righteousness, come on. So he called them out of their sins he didn't he didn't affirm them and and he doesn't he doesn't do that today so if people are are being saved when you go to places of sinners, you know what that's what I'll say go for it but if you are if you're slipping into your old lifestyles because you're hanging around sinners, guess what? Get away from it! Run, run, run! What did Joseph do when he was in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife ran? He ran out at all the cost, and he went to jail for it. You know why? Because his he wanted to be upright and do what was right, regardless of what it what it looked like. Amen. Some way, some some may say this: It's okay. I got to go into business with with unbelievers. I got to do certain things, and and one of the greatest kings. Uh, and Judah did this. The king of Judah Jehoshaphat he did this with the king of Israel, and they made an alliance. And they were uh, going to do something. And and the king of Israel at that point was an ungodly king. And it, what that the joint venture that they went into it sunk, and it was not blessed. So we don't want to be like him. All right, everyone, look at your neighbor. Say don't be don't be like him. I'll just say this, mom, dad, what are your what's your legacy? Are you about kingdom business, or are you about retirement money? Are you showing your kids that you, what it is to be a servant leader and a worker? Look at this verse eighteen. We'll, we'll move on. I know you say, Bam, Pastor, you've been rough on us." I'm not trying to be rough on you. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just leading the scripture here. And I will be a father to you, and yes, you shall be sons and daughters to me," says the Lord Almighty. So, the fourth reason we are not to be unequally yoked, and I promise I'm almost done, is because the desire of the Father, God, wants to be your father he in essence is saying separate yourselves from from unbelievers from the things of this world become my sons and daughters does that mean if i'm unequally yoked with someone uh you know in business or i'm married to someone to someone who's not saved that i'm not a child of god no it's not what that means but what happens is when we open our hearts to the to the Lord, he becomes our father. Come on, and we're linked, we're not no longer linked to this world. But but it limits when we're linked to someone who is of this world, it limits our ability for the Father Father to use us, right? All right. I'll use this example. I, I promise I'm almost done. If I if I wanted to take my kids to dinner and they had been playing outside and they were all muddy. They were throwing mud balls at each other in the yard, all right? We live out in Williams. It's what we do, right? You know what I would do if I was going to go to dinner? I would tell them, hey, come in, clean up. We're going to go eat. But if they said, Dad, we enjoy the mud more, guess what? They'd still be my kids, but me and Tristan would get in the car, and we would leave them and go eat without them, right? So, too, God wants wants to be the father of us um, he wants you to do wonderful things you know God wants you to be separated and, and clean from sin that's why he sent a son and here's the thing if you're not separated from this world the father won't do for you what he does for those who deny themselves and take up the cross all right so I'll just say this. Let God be your father. He wants to be He wants to to be good to you. He wants y- your family to succeed. He wants He wants uh, you separating yourself from unclean things and partnerships and relationships and activities that will pull you away from Him. Amen. God always always says that. Hey, clean yourself. Rid yourself. Repentance is not a bad word. Let it go. Let it go, right? And this is what happens. When we do that, when we repent, you'll never lose sight of Jesus Christ. And and the yoke of the cross that he carried for us. And when we get behind that, man, it just gets easier and easier. Amen. Let's, Let's bow.